Another episode of the Outstanding Life Podcast with the motivational cowboy, Johnny D. That's right. That is me. And in the house right now in Charlotte, North Carolina, I am sitting with my very first real NASCAR driver on the show. I have done 13, 14, 15 shows, and I have never gotten a real NASCAR driver on the show. So, in the house with me right now is Noah Gregson. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Man, we just had a, a wonderful lunch. You just missed it here just a little bit ago, and uh, there was a snake in the conference room. Are you afraid of snakes? I am very afraid of snakes. Like, I don't... Like, <laughs> I'm afraid of them, but I'm not... Af- like, I know they're not going to do anything, like right. the ones that aren't poisonous, but I just... I think they're weird. You this know? thing looked... Scary. I came out of the bathroom. I thought the guys were playing a joke on me. And all of a sudden, it lunged at me. Oh. And, and and you know, you, you you saw the videos. that The thing was only like six inches wide, but the mouth felt like it was big as my hand. Oh. It was scary. So you're you're afraid of snakes. So, so wait a second. So you can drive your truck at 200 miles per hour, not being scared, but you are afraid of something that kind of, it just... Moves around on the ground a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm the type of I'm the type of guy where it's like, oh, there's a spider in the house, or oh, there's a snake in the house. Time to burn the house down and move. You know. And you said that exactly to Greg. You know, you're like, okay, it's time to move. No, time to dur- like, burn that place. Not down. even worth like trying to. F- you don't know how many more snakes. I mean, there, you, I there thought could the be a snake in the thing. bed. You know. I was like, hey, listen, if there is a small one. I go, there has to be another like mom or something moving around. And you're just like me. Now you're just moved your chair back. Yeah, I just looked down on the ground. I'm looking at the <laughs> table right now. I mean. Okay. So oh. everybody knows you for NASCAR. You're from Las Vegas, Nevada. You are how old now? 20, 20 years old. I turned 20, 20 years July. old. Man, how long have you been racing? I've been racing since 2012. Um, I started when I was 13 and then halfway Wait a second. You started at 13 years old? Yep. That's late these days. It's very late. It's oh, very my God. Late. There are kids out there racing at like four and five, four five years old now. Six years old. That's what I Does that I still like everyone. crazy Like for you to see some of these kids growing up in, or you're watching TV? I was watching math TV the other day, and they were, they were at a short track. And, you know, when you're inside that race car, we can't tell if you're six foot tall or if you're five foot tall. We can't tell if you're a man or a woman. We know you just with the helmet and you are kicking some butt on the racetrack. These kids got out of the car. The kid that won was 11. The girl that came in second was nine. That's crazy. They grabbed the microphone like they were a professional race car driver. It was the craziest thing ever. And then all of a sudden, I was hooked for the next two hours of watching Mav TV. That is awesome. It was so cool. What's it like for you, though? You started at 13 years old. What got you into even wanting to race? Well, I was always the kid that was jumping his BMX bike, mountain biking, okay. dirt biking, snowboarding, skateboarding, all those action extreme sports. That was me. I was okay. like breaking bones, breaking my wrist, <laughs> doing all that stuff. You right? have broken things. I've, I've broken nine bones. No so, kidding. Yep. Yep. Wow. And so, uh, and you're 20. Yeah. That's crazy. So I've been uh, a daredevil. I've toned it back, knock on wood that I don't break any more bones because I have to race and <laughs> that's right. The team and everyone wouldn't be happy, but but I so I, I started doing that stuff when I was younger. Five years old, I broke my my first, I broke my hand jumping my BMX bike. So I've been doing it forever, right? <laughs> and uh, and so I've been doing that. And then I always wanted to race. Yeah. Um, I, I liked action sports. I liked motorsports. Yeah. Collected little Hot Wheels cars, you know. And 
never really had that opportunity. Um, my friend Riley Herbst, he races in the ARCA series. Yep. We were buddies growing up. His family is really big into off-road racing, um, the Baja 1000. I don't yep. know if you heard that, but Absolutely. Uh, down in Mexico. Do all the trophy truck stuff, everything. And and so we were best friends. I always saw him racing growing up, and I'm like, that'd be really cool. But but like I said, never had that opportunity. Right. So um, finally got the opportunity to go out to a racetrack when I was younger. Just and, to watch or actually race? Well, well, I, I went and did electric go-kart racing my okay. dad took me there and i did that for about a year um 2011 and i was really good when i started and uh so <laughs> riley's dad he raced and he he knows a lot about racing he's yeah like, hey scott which is my father he's like you should take noah and try and let him race a real car sometime so my dad one of the guys in his office his business partner his kids were like eight years old at the time and they're racing out at the local speedway in las vegas called the bull ring yep. a little, little short track three eighths mile and so Bandoleros, it's basically a go-kart with a roll cage and a body on it. Right. Just a lawnmower motor. Um, they go about they si look 60 so cool. miles an hour. Oh, they look awesome. <laughs> They're like a, they look like a quarter-scaled stock car. Yeah, exactly. So yep. it's, uh, it's, it, it was really cool. So we, I went out there Wednesday. I remember I was seventh grade, Wednesday of my spring break. Right. The season started that Friday and Saturday. And so we were just going to – I didn't even know if I was going to race. I just went out there to test the car, see if I was going to like it, and went out for like four or five laps, and I could have done more, but I came in, and I had the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> like you do right just, now telling the story. Exactly, exactly. So, And I just wanted to come in and tell them, this is what we're doing this weekend is racing. Noah, I always talk about in every single podcast and every single person I've had on the show, they have had an aha moment. Was that your aha moment when you got out of the car and you're like, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is super sweet. I think there there are two aha moments for me. That that first one is okay. is after doing those four or five laps and and saying, like that hooked <laughs> me into into loving racing. Yeah. And then when I found out, okay, aha, I could maybe make a career out of this. Yeah. And I mean, I've always loved it, but actually seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. like, hey, I can continue this. Is So I, I raced the Bandolero for one year and uh, won the track championship, and then I moved up into Legend Cars, which yep. is pretty much the next stepping stone, the next step in the ladder. Um, I appreciate you racing. telling, because for the fans that are out there listening to this podcast right now, a lot of them don't know anything about racing. Right. They just want to know you as a person. So I appreciate you painting the story for everybody about these different steps. So thank you. So, yeah. So I moved up after that first year racing the Bandolero into these cars called Legend Cars, mm -hmm. which is the next series up. And uh, ran that for two years, won a world championship in that. But it, but it's still a lot of younger guys racing. It's it's not professional by any means, just very low amateur racing. And so I ran that. And then there were a couple series. You start getting into the stock car series mm -hmm. and super late models, late models, street stocks. Was it always like asphalt that. or was asphalt. it dirt too? Yeah, always asphalt. Okay. And so racing those cars was an option for me to move up after those two years of legend cars. So this was back in 2014 um, was my last year in legend cars, my third year racing. And then 2015 is when we were going to go race a, a couple like stock cars, yeah. big cars. And so we weren't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, 
and then the opportunity came about for me to race in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series, yep. which is Great one step below the NASCAR Truck Series. Um, and so with NASCAR, they have um, the three premier tiers, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, which is the top. Then if you look at it like a pyramid, yep. the, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series is at the top. Then right below that is the Xfinity Series. And then right below that is the truck series, which I, I currently race in, right. in 2018. And so um, below the truck series is regional racing. Um, and that is um, the NASCAR Canaan Pro Series and then Modifieds and um, a Canadian series tour. Yep. But they're all under that ranking as, of regional right. um, series. So there's the West and the East Series. And then below the East West and the East series is your local short track racing where you go run for a full year at your local racetrack. And so that's what you go legend cars. And then you go to your local, your local racetracks and run stock cars there. Right. Well, the car count wasn't great at the bull ring. They got eight to 10 cars a weekend. There wasn't right. a lot of competition. Same people every weekend. Exactly. Yeah. And so we're like, man, it, this is kind of going to be our, our, deciding year if we want to continue it's getting more expensive the mm -hmm. higher you go up it gets more exp expensive Sponsors did you have to talk to your critical. parents into doing it i think <laughs> especially the higher up you what you went you know i didn't have to talk them into it just because i showed a lot of passion yeah. and i showed a lot of effort into it and i think that kind of did all the talking for itself that Absolutely. where my family was very supportive of me just because they knew i loved it you walk the walk and you talk the talk. Exactly. And so so we were looking at our options and do we want to go run the local racetrack or um, it's never really heard of for a guy to go straight out of a legend car up to that K&N series. Right. I mean, that that's a really big jump. And we're like, I mean, we didn't know any better. Nobody <laughs> in my family raced. So right. we had the, I had the opportunity. A, a team contacted me. They needed a driver um, for that year. And we're like, Hell yeah, we'll do it. You know, <laughs> I love it. We wouldn't have had that opportunity until they contacted us. So, right. Um, ended up racing the full NASCAR Canaan Pro Series season. How'd you the, do that on the year? West uh, Coast? And and going into it, um, before my first race, I'm like, man, I wish I can get a couple top ten finishes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, finish top ten at the end of the season in the point standings, and that'll be a successful year. Right. Yeah. We go into my first race in Bakersfield, California at Kern yep. County Raceway Park, and I ended up third. Wow. And they interview the top three drivers Have you, for TV. At, at the, now I've you, never done an interview right? before. Your eyes, like for those and, of you that are listening right now, his eyes got real big. Like, exactly. like oh, my God, the and microphone's going to come up. For a 16-year-old kid, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, right. I'm going to be on TV. This yeah. is awesome, right? Yeah. You know? compared to the other kids in high school and yeah. in their school. They're not doing TV How did the first and interview go? I looked like a deer in headlights, <laughs> huffing and puffing. I mean, it, it was really, really bad. Yeah. I, it was it was terrible. I mean. But third place, that's great. But, so I finished third in my first race. I'm like, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. I don't know if I can keep that going. Two races later, I end up winning in my third career start in the K&N oh, series. That's awesome. After making that big jump from Legend Cars right. up into the K&N series. So ended up winning in my third start. Wow. And that is that second eye-opener aha moment yeah. where it's like, okay, I can finally 
see a little bit of a future in this, and and that's where it really started as as a career. Noah, you know, it's funny that you said it like that because uh, being uh, the guy that interviews the NASCAR drivers on the Chevy stage and stuff, kids will come up to me that just want to watch the interview and want want to watch the driver talk. Well, I get to know these young uh, boys and, you know, uh, girls, and they always talk about... Uh, it happened twice this year already. And they came up to me and they said, Johnny D, oh my God, I don't get passed anymore. I pass other people. And they got so excited. And we're talking eight, nine, 10 year old kids that are in go karts. And they got excited because they learn how to pass. I just felt that, like with you, it's like, you know, you have that moment of, okay, I either have to learn or I'm going to keep getting passed. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool to know that that uh, that motivation mm-hmm. of wanting to now go from third to winning. What was your parents like when you got that first win? I mean, I knew you were excited, but were they just as excited for you? They're very supportive of me, and I, I'm so fortunate yeah. to have a family that is able to go to the racetrack and able to support me. And they want to be at the racetrack just as bad as I do because wow. they want to see me succeed. So I'm very fortunate to have a family that that wants to do that. And so uh, it's funny. My uncle, <laughs> he, uh, he comes to the racetrack with us too. Yeah. And they said, like my grandma always says, ever since Uncle Todd has come to the racetrack with you yeah. and ever since you've been racing, He's been a different person. He's loving everything. He's way more outgoing and, yeah. and whatnot. And um, and I so always awesome. looked up to my to my uncle and everything. And so I the remember kind of changing. I remember at that that race, my third race. It was at Tucson Raceway in Arizona. We ended up winning. It was the we had a three car team um, that race. Okay. And what's cool about this story is and about this race is is with this team. It was their first year. Ever. Really? Yeah. And so So you got their first win too. I got their first win, third race, but what's even better than that is one of my teammates was second and my other teammate was third. So wow. all three of us swept the top three. That's cool. And the in the team's fir- third race ever as a team. So that was wow. really special, I know, for the team. And I get down in victory lane, I jump up on top of the roof of the car, <laughs> I'm spraying water everywhere, <laughs> everyone's cheering. And I see my uncle at the fence telling the security guard, that's my, that's my nephew right there. And he's pointing to his shirt right there, right there. Let me down there. Let me down there. And so we're taking a, a group picture Yeah. and he, he's been drinking a little bit, you yeah. know, getting, yeah. getting all pumped up for the race. And, and he's down there and we, we're all doing number ones and he's got his tongue out. Number one. Ah. I mean, he was pumped up for it. Yeah. So, so uh, where, where did you end up that year? So I ended up, chasing the championship point standing battle um first in points back and forth with a guy named chris eggleston okay um throughout the whole year wow um i'd be the points leader for i think we have 14 races that year and so he'd lead some and then i'd lead two or three weekends and then <laughs> the next two or three weekends it'd go back to him and then i had the points lead after I won, uh, I won the third to last race, which is in Meridian. So I, I had two wins that year um, in 2015 wow, that's awesome. in the series. And so I w- was a points leader going into the second to last race, and yeah. I was leading by two points over Chris Eggleston, the 99 car. 
we go into the second to last race. The pressure's on. I mean, everybody has it in the back of the mind that that this is one of the closest points battle that has been in the history of the series. Yeah. Um, and for a young guy like me who was hoping, man, I wish I could finish top ten in the point standings at the end of the year. Now I'm like, yeah, you can win, win it. this. I want to win this damn championship. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so. We go into that la- second to last race. It's a small, tiny little racetrack, a quarter mile racetrack, yep. the smallest track we go to in the whole series. And we get about 10 laps to go, 15 laps to go. And I got this guy, number 99, Chris Eggleston, right on my back bumper. I'm running second. He's running third. 15 laps to go, two points separating us. And none of us are going to give. Right. And so. <laughs> we kept, keep on clicking off laps, clicking off laps. He's right on my back bumper. He's hit me down the straightaway. Well, one straightaway, or one lap down the straightaway, getting into the corner. I mean, it's really tight. Right, You're yeah. on the straightaway, and then you turn, and then you're on the straightaway. Yeah. I mean, everything happens. On we have Flat Rock eye. Speedway back at, by my house. Same way, little, little, little tracks. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. So, like, everything happens so quick, but... When you're you're behind the wheel of the race car, it's for us race car drivers. Judgment is a big key to mm-hmm. how you are. Absolutely. And so this guy has pretty good judgment, and I know he's a good driver, and I feel like I'm a pretty good driver. And we get about five laps to go in the race, and this guy has been on my back bumper for the last ten laps, so <laughs> he knows where I've been lifting and lifting off the gas pedal, where I've been braking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my back tires are picked up off the racetrack, and I'm spinning backwards and rolling backwards up the racetrack in a split second. Right. And that's when I got really mad. He (laughs) knew that there's five laps to go in the race, second to last race, separated by two points. And in every position you finish is you get one point. Okay. And so the most amount of points at the end of the year wins the title. And so he knew that I was going to, I think if you lead, I think I led a lap. And so that's one point. And if you lead the most lap, it's one point. But he didn't take you out of the race yet, yet, did he? Not five to go. Okay. But but he dumped me. He spun me out with five laps to go on this little quarter mile. Did you get him back? And the whole field passed me. And so... I ended up finishing eighth in this race. He ended up finishing second. So okay. now we're going into the last race of the final season. Now he's four points ahead of me in the series standings for the championship. And this is awesome. We this get done great. with this race <laughs> and I'm furious. His own his teammate, Brandon McReynolds, who's driving the other team car for that team. Right. He comes up to me. He's after that race, and even though he's Chris Eggleston's teammate, he still comes up to me, a, a competitor, and he says, hey, man, that's bullshit. You go up there, and you tell him that ain't cool, right? and that's not the way you want to be raced because that's bullshit. He just wrecked you. He wrecked you on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's Brandon McReynolds. Like, that guy, his, his dad's Larry McReynolds. Um, they call him America's crew chief. He was a crew chief for Dale Earnhardt yeah, Sr. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fox Sports broadcaster. Yeah. I mean, this guy's a legend. Right. And his son's coming up, who I've been racing against all year and looked up to, saying that's bullshit. <laughs> right. And so that's where I'm like, well, if, if Brandon's saying that to me, yeah, like, it's definitely not good. <laughs> and so I was all fired up. I was, I was pissed off that this guy just dumped me. Total coward, cheap shot move. Yeah. And I'm like, man, 
I got to get them back. <laughs> but I don't want to do it by retaliating. I want to go out to the final race in Phoenix. And beat them. And beat them. Yeah. Heads up, straight up. And that's going to make it feel even worse for him. And that's tough, isn't it? It's As, it's, as a driver, for to a get 16 that out of year old kid, it's, that's right. it's extremely tough. Well, we see it these days with an, a total adult at 30, 40, 50 years old that it's still tough to, to I want to actually think about it all week long until that next race. I mean, that's well, tough too. What was good about that situation is the from the second to last race where I got dumped yeah. to the final race of the season, there is three to four weeks in between. Oh, so it gave okay. me Give you some time, time to, cool, to off. cool off. Had it been that next weekend, yeah. Uh oh. I yeah. probably would have widowmaker him. <laughs> right. like, it so, would okay. not have been good. Three, four weeks later, final race. We get to the racetrack and this is the biggest race of the season. Right. One, because it's the final race, the championship's on the line. But two, we're racing at Phoenix International Raceway. That's so cool. A one-mile-long track, the mm -hmm. biggest track we go to all year of the season. Yeah. It's my first time there. All the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup guys are there. The truck guys are there. The Xfinity guys are there. The top guys in this series who are, who are watching this race, and they're going to crown a champion at the end of this, right? So... I get, uh, we get there. I'm all nervous about how the weekend's going to go. And I, my team's all pumping me up, you know, yeah. just, just focus on getting it done. Well, we didn't run very good as a team. I mean, we were, we were up front pretty much all year, but that weekend we were off on our setup. So mm -hmm. we really had to work and, and dig deep. We qualified 20th when we've been qualifying up front. And racing up front, yeah, and battling for the lead and racing for the wins, and and so that was really hard. Is is we're in practice and we're twenty fifth on the board, and you're and not used like, to that. Oh man! And then I look down the garage and I see the number ninety nine car jacked up on jack stands, <laughs> and they ha they're pulling the motor out of it. And I'm like, what's going on with him? He blew up the motor in practice. He didn't get to practice oh. at all. So that created some more drama. Right. So. <laughs> So you, I'm you, standing you there, didn't I'm feel like, so bad now. I'm like, this is good. I'm all pumped up. He's not getting any practice time. We got some practice time. I know we're not great yeah. on our speed, but but he's not getting any practice. So we got at least one foot forward on him. We end up qualifying 25th, not very good. And I have to drive my, I have 100 laps to drive my way up to the field. I, he didn't get any practice and he qualified like 10th or something. So right. he's quite a bit ahead of me. And I had to beat him by four positions wow. in that race. And if I beat him, I, I win the championship yep. and that's that. And so the cards aren't necessarily in my favor because I'm behind him. I'm starting 15 spots behind him, four points down right now. I'm at a 19 point disadvantage, right? right? 19 spot disadvantage. So we get through the race couple guys are wrecking. I start picking off some spots myself, and we get about 90 laps into the 100-lap race, and we get a caution, and I find myself right behind this guy. Oh, no! And I'm like, you know what? So I pull up next to him. <laughs> I'm revving my motor, letting him know, yeah. hey, buddy, I'm here. And any little movement. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm here, and, and I already, for the... He knows that I have one on him yep. to get him back. That's where the intensity really <laughs> ramped up. 
So I'm revving it up. I'm getting next to him, kind of weaving next to him, hitting them a little bit under the <laughs> caution laps um, while they're cleaning up the track because someone wrecked or something. So we get, and I, I know right there, I'm one spot behind him. So I have to beat him by, by I have to pass him and beat him by four spots yep. to win this championship. So we get a, we get the green flag. The, we start the race back up with about six laps to go. They count the caution laps. So we right. start with about six laps to go. I end up passing him and getting two i i passed two more cars so he still is leading by by two car or he's still leading the championship by two points because i still need to pass two more cars so going into that last lap i'm like man i, I there's no way the the two cars in front of me are, are far in front of me i'm not going to be able to win this yeah so i lifted early into the turn one like really early let those two guys go by me and let him go by me and so i was right on him going down the back straight away into the final set of corners, I'm like, man, I want to, like, I'm going to bump him and hopefully <laughs> shove him out to the wall and let him get a bunch of the dirt on his tires and everything. Yep. Get up and in the marbles. Exactly. Yep. Get up in the marbles, wash him up there, and hopefully when he's up there, he's going to be slipping and sliding and he'll kill his momentum, and then four of us will go by him. Right, yeah, yeah. So that was my intent. Right. So I bumped him a little bit, and people say that I was trying to wreck him, but I, w I wasn't trying to wreck him because I I wanted to wreck him. I could have got him, like, right. really good. Like, I probably could have sent him into the fence. Right, like you um, did you. Exactly. <laughs> so I tried to move him, and, and there was a car um, right to his outside, and so he was all sideways sliding up the racetrack, and he hit that car, and it straightened, straightened him out. And that, and then when he hit that car, he barely nicked him in the left rear tire, and that car came down the racetrack, head on in front of me, and I hit him. Oh! And so no. it's like I was trying to do. So, it was like instant karma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was just gonna Damn say it. that. Yeah. And so we come around. He, we both get the checker flag. He finishes like three spots ahead of me. My right front tire is all blown out and everything, and. I have to face that defeat of I didn't get the job done for not only myself, not only my family, but for my team who's right. worked so hard. And so that was really hard for me just because I knew that it wasn't all that fair on how it really went down. Right. Um, it was kind of a cheap shot move, but I had to accept that. And it takes a real man to even say it, that. It does. It's, it's hard. But because in life, that happens all the time. And, I, and I'm so glad that for the young kids that are listening right now to this podcast, you said it. Take responsibility for yourself once in a while. Exactly. If you do something wrong, it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I screwed up. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you learned from that mess up. Well, because you know darn well, being a race car driver, you know that you can't win a race in that first lap. But you can lose one. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and I was actually talking to a... Lady, yesterday I was I was doing some media stuff and talking to her, and she said, "What advice would you give to a younger driver, yeah, eight, nine, ten years old who is racing?" And I told her to tell the truth. And when you hear that, and you're like, "I just asked you a question about what would you tell them about racing," and you say, "Tell the truth," that has nothing to do with racing. No, well, I, let I me never, explain ever, why. Yeah, no, please do because I've never, after 18 years of doing this, I've never heard this. So please tell, sir. Please so, tell. So with racing, you have a lot of people who, when you're the driver, you have a lot of people depending on you. Absolutely. It, it doesn't, it's, not, it's actually not even with racing. It's with everything in it's life. It's with everything in life. That's right. Whether you're, doing, you're at your job or you're 
going to the grocery store, family, it, everything. Yeah, you're absolutely is, right. I feel like telling the truth is so important and owning up to your mistakes because with all these people relying with on you in the racing deal, yeah. let's say you go out there and you miss a shift and you, you peg the RPMs past the rev limiter and it hurts the motor a little bit. Right. And to be good, you, you have to tell that truth and you have to own up. I feel like people respect you more when you say, listen, I messed up. Here's what happened instead of lying about stuff. Absolutely. And, and I feel like that's the most important I c advice I can give is, is when you mess up. Dude, that's awesome. Tell the truth and, and yeah. admit that you're wrong. It, it takes such, it, it's really hard, especially for younger people to mature enough and say, listen, I, I was wrong. I mean, when you're a kid, you think you're invincible and you think you're do everything right, but people have more respect. And then when you really are right, they're going to trust that you're right, right and understand, look, this guy does tell the truth, and, and this is what it is. So, Noah, you are a young man. You're only 20 years old, and you're talking wisdom far beyond most people would ever, ever imagine a 20-year-old being. Did somebody give you that advice, or is that something that you learned and you made yours? I think because um, you've had some great mentors, you know, in this business mm -hmm. in, in, in a short time. I think it all goes back to to my parents and my dad um, mostly. Um, I have an incredible uh, family and incredible parents, and uh, my dad has always taught me to always show respect no matter what. Yep. I remember I was in we were in New York um, during Thanksgiving when I was younger on a family trip, and. I was, uh, something happened. Me, I have a twin sister. Okay. And we were messing around with each other. Um, not fighting, just yeah, being annoying kids. each other, giving <laughs> right. each other a hard time. And, um, something happened where I knew my sister forgot some, like forgot her phone or her wallet or something. And, and I saw it sitting on the counter and we were leaving. And, and so we got on the subway uh -huh. and, I remember this very clearly is we got on the subway and she's like, oh, I, I forgot my wallet. And I knew deep down that she forgot it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I saw it sitting there. And my dad's like, well, why didn't you say anything? You know, if mm -hmm. you knew that it was there and you knew we were leaving, why didn't you say anything? And why? I mean, that just goes back to the to the respect for the person just being a good person in general and and. I always see my dad picking up trash and, and stuff, even even if it's not his own. And, and he made it very clear. He's like, I don't care what it is. When you see me picking up trash or doing something, I don't I don't get paid to to do that. Or right. I don't get paid to to pick up a an empty water bottle on the ground and throw it away. But that's what it is to be a good person. That's what being a person's all about. And so that really taught me. Hey, I need to show. I mean, other examples, yeah. but um, that was really clear on on that I need to be a better person. And, yeah, and, and tell the truth. Just because it doesn't pay anything or, or people don't notice, I mean, it, it goes noticed when, when you're a good person. So. I love these podcasts because, like I said, there is no editing buttons there. there you know what I mean? Uh, it's just me and you talking for an hour. But one thing I noticed about you is, uh, and, th and this is so cool, and, and it kind of leads right into what you just said, 
the one thing I respect about you is you do give back. You are a young man. You've made it to the NASCAR series. You just got uh, a deal for next year, two years with Junior Motorsports, driving that beautiful CL1 Camaro Chevy. That's right. Um, but just last week, I get chills at certain times of when I talk about things. But Noah, I respect you as as a young man because you give back. I saw I saw pictures of you playing with kids at, at a children's hospital, dude. That yep. that um, you walk in, they may not know who Noah is, but you walk in with a fire suit on, and they and they look at you as a modern day superhero. You sit with them, and they and they smile. What's it like for you to be a 20-year-old kid being able to have a platform now to give back? Well, I I really get that from my my parents as well as cuz my dad's really big into supporting charity. Um yep. and he's always been that and I've seen that from a young age is, and I didn't understand. I'm like, why are you giving away your time and and giving away your money that you work so hard for for others if they didn't earn it Mm -hmm. and I never he was always at charity events and functions and I never really understood why are you doing this and as it kept on happening it became more clear and as I kept on getting older and getting mature it became more clear and so I think helping others um that's not really my goal, right. but I don't say that in a negative way. No, I I, get I just it. I like to. I don't do it for like glory or anything. To right, like my goal is not to get any glory from helping others. Absolutely. Um, I just like ultimately being a race car driver and putting smiles on people's faces. And so, um, you're very humble. When I go to I love it the children's hospital and I see those kids, and it, it's really hard to to do that because I don't like seeing these kids going through what they want to go through. You know, it's, yeah. it's tough to see a kid walk in with a tube through his nose and I no just spent three days head. at St. Jude hospital kids with cancer. And just like you, I didn't go there for a reason. I went there because they said it would change my life and being a motivational speaker and doing things that I feel like I, I am pretty positive all the time. Until I went there and I walked out of there knowing that this little five-year-old girl changed my life forever. Not knowing that if her life is even going to be around in another year or two, but she, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just by, but by, by thinking about that and and giving the parents just five minutes to be by themselves while you're playing with them. Children's hospitals are fun but kids always, always say the darndest things, and they are so honest. Do you have a funny story maybe that a kid said, asked you a question that you thought it was funny, or maybe they told you something that was funny, or called you somebody else's name, or, you know, because kids just say the darndest things. I don't know. There's so many situations, I think. There's so many situations, I think. I just, nothing sticks out in my mind right, yeah. that I can think of right now, but... but have you ever had to go and uh, because just like you said, you were a race car driver. You weren't a, a public speaker. You weren't this. You weren't that. Have you yet 
to have to go to a school and give a presentation? Yeah, I have. I've, What's I've that done like? Was that times. was that just as scary as getting inside that race car? Because uh, <laughs> they say that I, that I'd public speaking is the biggest fear in the world. Like, I love racing, and that's where I feel the most comfortable. <laughs> and so when I get in the race car, like, it's completely fine. Right. When I got in, so <laughs> tell safe, me the story safe about Safe Auto Glass. Um, yep. they Great sponsored company. me this year in, yep. in 2018, and and between myself and Safe Light. We've been doing a lot of stuff with the Boys and Girls Club. And oh, awesome. So when I'd be going to different tracks throughout this year, we'd go visit uh, Boys and Girls Club uh, for wherever we're racing. Oh, so that's cool. We're in Kansas. We're going to a Boys and Girls Club there or whatnot. And at the start of this year, I mean, I've that's like really where I started talking to big groups. And, yeah. And Safe Light brings probably 30 to 40 guests to the racetrack. Yep throughout the weekend and, and they bring a big group there and check out the hauler, check out the race car and it's everything. It's cool. They do and a great job too. Yeah. I mean, you see them yeah. there all the time. And so, um, when I see all those people coming at first at Daytona earlier this year, I'm like, you want to oh, run, man, <laughs> I got to talk to all these people and I don't know what to talk about. And, and I was kind of awkward at first, but then it became, it started becoming more and more natural yeah. to be able to talk to them and kind of present to them. And we'd be going to the boys and girls clubs. And so talking to the safe light group and the guests that would come to the racetrack, that's what made it a lot more natural when right. I got in front of the boys and girls at the boys and girls club. And so, um, at first when I stood in front of all those kids and <laughs> I mean, they asked some crazy questions. I think that's where they asked the craziest. They're like, um, they always, Probably one or two of them. I already know what you're going to say. I, I already know what you're going to say. What, There's always think? one question that comes out with you ra uh, racers. Always. 18 years of doing this, it's always every weekend, at least it comes up one time. How do you guys go to the bathroom inside the race car? That's one of them. <laughs> That's one of them. That one. And to answer that question, I have personally never do it. Noah, it, Noah, no, it's just me and you right, right now. We just about, I've never done it. I just a couple I hundred swear, thousand people going to listen to this. I swear on everything, I have <laughs> never done it. Guys will actually go to the, they go pee in their suit. Yeah, yep. They just in go. the seat. They don't get out of their cars. Yep. They pee on themselves. Yeah. And it's the grossest. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah. So what? But so what? What's one of the other questions they, that they always ask? They always want to know, are you rich? Is that are you funny? Famous, and they love that. Yeah, I mean, they love it. So, what do you tell them? I tell them it, it's kind of <laughs> awkward because, I mean, I don't listen. You're on I TV. Don't really do it for the money, and no, I don't I, do it. And so they see that I'm some race car driver coming in, and they're six to twelve years old, and yeah, they want to know. And, yeah, and so it's kind of a, I mean, money's always an awkward question to talk right. about. And Absolutely. So, um, I mean, I'd pretty much just tell them I, I don't really do it for the money. Uh, yeah. that's not why I do it. And then um, they ask me if I'm famous, and I, I, I don't. I personally don't think I'm famous. I'm just a just a regular normal guy. regular guy who has the opportunity to race a race car. That is so cool. What was Noah like <clears throat> growing up? And what I mean by that is in school. Did you have to go to school? Were you homeschooled? 
uh, because you were racing and stuff like that at the age of 13 years old. What were you like as a student? I was um, a troublemaker. <laughs> I was a class clown, and I was you were I really was a troublemaker. So, are you the class clown to this day when you are Absolutely. at the racetrack? Absolutely. Are you 100%. always playing jokes on people? Because, and, and, and I'm thinking about you being one of um, Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer. Always said it perfect. They're like, we're just a bunch of uh, rich rednecks that like to have fun, and it's scary when we have money. And when that comes out of Clint Boyer's mouth, uh, you, you know, know don't mess time. with them. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. This year, working with uh, my current crew chief, Rudy Fugel, um, he's been the past um, championship-winning crew chief for the past, like, six years. Yep. So um, it's a lot. I transitioned from one group at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yep. Um, they have a three-car team. And so one of the teams with – there's three teams within the Kyle Busch Motorsports right. team. And so transitioned from one group to Rudy's group who kind of oversees our, our whole team. And um, and he's a lot – Stricter? Not as much fun? I'm trying to help you find the right Not word here. Stricter, but I <laughs> more serious. I, I think very serious. Yeah. And he still likes to have fun, but it became more of a clearer picture of there's a time and a place for everything. You're absolutely right. And you changed this year. And so you changed I, as a driver, as a person this year. I mean, one, you're working out all the time. Mm hmm. Uh, not only that, but uh, um, you actually go and see a uh, sports psychologist. Psychi yep. And um, so that's cool that you have grown yep. in this business. Yeah, you had the raw talent, but now it's like you knew that, hey, if I'm going to take this even another step further, I have to change as a person. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've t changed my schedule. I've done all that. And that really started by seeing uh, that psychologist, uh, Jock. He taught me, taught me about, just the state of the mind and mm -hmm. and how to how to get your mindset and and what I mean you can go to into details forever right, yeah. but all that mental mindset stuff and so I started seeing him and I knew I had a great opportunity working for Rudy um, this year driving for him and and I was nervous before the season started because he's that guy who mm -hmm. who I didn't I only saw his very serious side. I never saw his... He ain't going to take no crap. Exactly. And so <laughs> I only saw that serious side of him, so I was nervous. And so I'm like, man, I need to clean everything up because I'm the type of guy to, to make jokes, and I'm very, very serious personally about racing. Mm -hmm. I might not always show it, but deep down I, I'm very serious, and I'm, I'm always thinking about it and whatnot. And I think Rudy, he told me at the beginning of the year, he's like, I we were three or four races in and he's like after those first three or four races we had lunch together and he's like i didn't think that you were this serious in in racing because you came off as a clown to me mm -hmm. and you didn't seem serious about it but um working with you this year and with myself going into the year i knew i had to kind of make a change and and change kind of my habits and, and everything. And that's when I realized time and a place for everything. And, and we're here to do work when we're at the racetrack. And, and we're, we're not. We still need to do work, but we can also have fun. So Noah, during a race, you could get worked up at one minute. And literally, I mean, if we're at a racetrack and it has four turns, at the first turn, everything go perfect. And uh, the second corner, everything go to crap. Next one, you have another good one. Who keeps you calm on the radio who 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 can reel you back in when you get heated up in the 
in the moment. And because I believe that in life in general, we need people that can reel us back in and kind of like coach us through that next obstacle. Who is that for you? I feel like Rudy is that that guy. Really? So when his voice um, comes on uh, on the uh, speaker, mm-hmm. you know, okay. It's time to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. So if you could listen to music during a race, would you? And what kind of music would you listen to? Um, I don't know. I'd probably... I don't know. That's hard. Like, <laughs> I always... That's another question I always get is, what kind of music do you listen to when you're racing? It's like, no, we, get, we got you this guy who's standing on top of the right. grandstands who has a radio on, and he's telling us where cars are around us. That's our spotter. And, yep. And then we got our crew chief telling us, okay, we're going to pit in 10 laps because we're going to run out of fuel here, and we're going to get two tires because the tires on the right sides are wearing out. And, and so you have all this stuff, and then you got to listen to the motor. and. <laughs> There's a lot going on that people don't realize. Listen to the tire squealing, and, and you got to use your. I mean, you have, you can't. I wouldn't listen to music, but if I had to, I'd probably listen to like some rap or something. Okay, like, have you ever spotted for another driver? Um, in practice, before. really, you have. Yeah, it seems very stressful. And do you learn a lot by spotting for somebody else? Being uh, at the top, watching yeah. different things? Seeing it from the spotter stand or in the grandstand, watching a race from there, um, it gives you another perspective of what it's like. So <laughs> yeah. I've done it um, a few times just to to get that idea of when I'm in the race car, this is what the spotter is seeing. Okay, right. Um, so that's helped me quite Do a bit. Do you like a lot of chatter of people telling you what's going on in, in the uh, race car? Or are you the guy that is just like shut up, leave me alone, and let me do this by myself? Um, when it's when it's productive and it's good, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I I love people talking to me. Okay, ninety five percent of the time. But when we went to the dirt track this year, Eldora Speedway. Yep. Um, the trucks go there once a year, and we race on asphalt every other race. So it's a very unique track, and I've never done dirt racing growing up. So, um, <laughs> it's very 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 challenging. And I normally a guy that we put six or seven laps down in the race. We lap him six or seven times. Right. This guy, I basically, (laughs) I basically in the heat race had to hold on to my door numbers because he was flying so past by me that they were going to peel off. That's how bad I was. And so when we were there during the race, it was the most stressful weekend ever. I'm not running good. The spotter is telling me, okay, you need to run the bot or you need to run the very top of the racetrack yeah. in this corner. And I start doing that for five to ten laps and it's not working. And I'm like, I finally had it. <laughs> I mean, stuff kept on building up and building up. And I for I personally feel like I'm um like I, I'm very personally thankful for my team and, and everything they do. And I believe in every person on my team. And I feel like we're the best in the garage. And, yep. Um, but after through that whole weekend of spinning out and I mean, yeah, I was out of my element and I'm like, you know what? Just, <laughs> uh, we weren't making any headway and they're telling me where to run and everything. I'm like, don't, don't tell me where to run. 
just tell me where the guys are around me if <laughs> if I'm clear or if there's a guy to my outside or inside, but don't tell me where to run. I, I just let me figure it out. I mean, I was just so frustrated with myself that I couldn't run better. Yeah. And so oh, it was just so <laughs> aggravating. But I ended up starting 31st in in the B main transitioning. I almost didn't make the race, but I started 31st in the main event, drove all the way up to sixth place and finished sixth. And I was running probably at one point, like lap three, the spotter came on the radio and said, all right, bud, uh, I'll clear out back. You got nothing till uh, the leaders in turn two. And I was at the start finish line, or I was like in turn four or something. That's like, incredible. Like I was the last car on the racetrack. I've never been that in my entire life. Like, and that was that that aggravated so many things aggravated me so what do you do after a weekend that things just were were crazy what do you do as a race car driver to get your mind off things after a race you come home what is it for you do you jump on your harley do you write poetry do you play guitar do you go for a walk do you get on the boat what do you do to get yourself away from the track just to clear your mind um I don't know. I put a lot of my time and effort, but when I'm not racing, I'll go. My buddy Mikey has a, a wakeboarding boat, and so we'll go on the lake every once in a while or uh, just go out, hang out with my friends, play NASCAR video games. I mean, yeah. it all invo involves kind of active sports, yeah. but um, probably going out on the lake, I really enjoy okay. doing that. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and then just hanging out with my buddies. Okay, just I just have a few time. more minutes, so I want to make sure I get this question in. You, we were talking about public speaking and how crazy it is and stuff like that. There are certain things that you get to do as a race car driver that most people will never be able to do. One is a lot of the drivers always are able to throw out the first pitch at a baseball game. Have you ever had the opportunity to throw out the first pitch at a baseball game and I've been told that it is nerve-wracking to do it. So have you? And was it? And if so, was it nerve-wracking? I've never done it. Really? I, I want to, and I I could. <laughs> I, <laughs> so you haven't done that yet? No, not yet. Okay. But, but I know what that feeling would be like, just not being comfortable. I made my Xfinity Series start. I have the like kind of a, a same deal as I made my Xfinity Series start earlier this year and and i could picture how nerve-wracking it would be because i've never raced these xfinity guys before yeah. and i'm standing there on the pit road before the race and um like these guys are good i've looked up to these guys that i'm racing and, yeah and i have their die cast cars at home like i've been <laughs> i've been fans of these guys and i'm getting the opportunity to race and i'm like making my first ever start and Dude, I'm more nervous than the first time I've ever leaned in to kiss a girl, right? <laughs> and so, so I'm standing there on pit road. I'm not sure how it's gonna go. Like I feel like it's not gonna go good, but then deep down, like I feel like I'm a good driver, and I'm like, man, I I just I, I gotta do something good. So I ended up going out there. I started 13th and ended up running. It was at Richmond this mm -hmm. year, and ended up driving, being patient throughout the race, and and picking a few guys off. And I was I let it. 10 laps throughout that race, ran up front in the, in the top three, so cool. and then uh, was right on the leader's bumper there for the last 60 laps, I'd say, running second to the leader, just waiting for him to slip up, and, and he never slipped up, but um, I finished probably four feet behind him. Um, That's awesome. And we were just like that the whole race, and so I was really nervous before the race, and, and that built a lot of confidence for me, but I know that exact feeling. <laughs> 
when I was on that pit road feeling that, that's how I'd be feeling standing up on that mountain about okay. to pitch it. You already said that you love doing extreme stuff. What is something that you haven't done that you want to do? Have you bungee jumped? Never. Would you? I would. I would, but it, well, okay, so it doesn't let, excite me. Okay, let me ask you this. Is there certain things that you cannot do now because you are a race car driver and you can't get hurt? Or is it one of those things that I will not ask for permission, I will just ask for forgiveness after they catch me doing it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty, I don't know, I go jump my mountain bike and do crazy stuff, wake surfing and everything. A lot of drivers get to go up with like the Blue Angels and stuff like that. Have you done that yet? Never. Uh, would that'd you? be really cool. Yeah, that would be Do cool. you think that you would, how many Gs do you think that you would pull with, with the uh, pilot and do you think you'd throw up? I don't know how many G's, but I definitely throw up. <laughs> you would take it to that extreme. That's then. for sure. Yeah, your five-year goal. Five-year goal. Yep. You're um, only, you're only twenty years old. You'd be twenty-five years old at this point. I mean, ultimately, I hope to be racing the Cup Series in five years. But for me, I've never been the guy to look that far in the future, just because I feel I try and take the very realistic approach of just being focused in the moment and I feel like if if I focus right now in the moment and and that's my priority I feel like if I do my job right now everything's going to take care of itself and so that's the approach I've been taking of it I don't have a set five-year plan or anything um I know what I'm doing next year and that's yep. to race with junior motorsports in yeah. the Xfinity series but um, How tough? Hey, that's not even my concern right now. Right, my concern is, you, hey, you is to go to year. Talladega in my next race yeah. and win that race. So. Absolutely. So, listen, we're going to wrap things up. Do you have any racing rituals? Um, I don't have anything that, like, is like a ritual. Like, I don't wear the same underwear or anything. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, because some guys get crazy. Yeah, but it's not just for racing, but I always tend to put, like, my right sock on before my left sock or my right shoe on before my left shoe my right glove on before my left glove and, yeah. and just little stuff like that. When is it when is it that you turn from Noah just this nice kid to Noah the race car driver? For for some it's putting the helmet on, for some it's starting of the engines, for some it's the national anthem, for some it's the prayer. What is it for you that something that 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 light switch goes on? They make fun of me a lot like all the other drivers um cuz I'm arguably the most outgoing guy and I'm always talking to the other guys. And, and so this year, once I changed my mindset and everything mm -hmm. and leading into the race, that's when it started to be different for these guys. Cause they always saw me as Noah joking around with them on the driver intro stage when we're getting ready to be introduced and joking around, talking to them at, right before we were about to get in the trucks. But I'd say, changed Noah in the zone Noah is when I'm walking out to the driver intros and I get tunnel vision personally I, I get this tunnel vision and it's when I'm walking by all these other guys yep I get up to that driver intro stage this year I've been I've, I've been doing the same thing every time just sitting down sitting away from everyone and thinking to myself I'm one bad <laughs> I'm gonna go kick all these guys. Yeah, and that's my mindset leading up to the race is is getting in that zone, focusing on what I need to focus on, and and for me, if 
it's going out there and, and thinking, am I going to kick all these guys? Yeah. And they got nothing on me. And so I go into that very serious, don't talk to me mode. And, um, it's been, it hasn't been bad. So no, absolutely. You're having a great year. No, I can't believe it's literally been an hour with you hanging out with you. I appreciate uh, letting us get to know you as a person. I'm excited about next year, having you at the team Chevy stage a whole lot. You'll be racing for junior motorsports. And, um, man, thank you so much for taking this time with us. This is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling all of you, don't forget you can watch us at Motivational or listen to us at MotivationalCowboy.com. You can also follow us on iTunes Podcast and SoundCloud.com forward slash Outstanding Life Podcast. Again, this is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. We'll see you next episode. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio production.